Hey there, friends. This is David Petty with Crossfire Faith and Gaming. Uh, during this season of Lent in the church, sometimes people take some extra time to uh, create a devotional practice or to be in prayer or to give something up. And so we've decided here at Crossfire Faith and Gaming that I was going to partner with my dad, uh, the Reverend Steve Petty, and uh, offer you some of his materials. Uh, and I double checked with him. He said it was okay. And I've, I've even got him here on the podcast today. And so what we're going to do during Lent is we're going to offer these weekly devotionals that are based on some work that he's done called A Talk with Peter uh, that's going on on another podcast right now. I've put a link to that podcast in the description below. Uh, wherever you're listening, the link will be there. Um, but The Talk with Peter is really, my understanding is it's a rewriting of Mark from the first person account of Peter. And so each week we'll go through different chapters. Uh, it'll cover different days as we get closer and closer to uh, the resurrection and Easter. And so I've got Steve on with me right now. We're going to talk a little bit beforehand, and then we'll go into the devotional. And uh, that's what we're going to do during Lent. So uh, let me welcome my father, the Reverend Steve Petty. Good to be here with you, Dave. Thanks for having me. So tell me just a little bit about this uh, Lenten devotional series you've got and uh, talk with Peter and where this came from. Well, uh, several things, actually. Many, many years ago, I was pastor in uh, a church in Pasadena, Holliston Avenue, and there was nothing for Holy Week. And so I wrote a Holy Week devotion called uh, A Walk with Jesus, Resources for Holy Week. And, and we did that, published it within the church. At the end of the time, everybody said it was pretty good. And they said, you should send it off to Abingdon. I sent it off to Abingdon. And and they said, wow, this is cool. We don't have anything like this. And so they published it. It was uh, published by Abingdon Press for about four or five years, I guess, and went into three different printings. And that was what they they pushed at Holy Week. So that was back in the 80s and 90s. Haven't really done anything with it since then because um, I was a pastor of church and just was really, really busy. Getting the time to write was, was tough. But... Uh, now that I'm retired, the pastor at our local church here at St. Andrews by the Sea in San Clemente, California, asked if I would do a Lenten study. And I said, okay, I could do that, which got me thinking, what do I want to do with that? And so the second train of development is that um, a few years after the Walk with Jesus, I did a, a write a complete paraphrase uh, of the book of Mark. Because the tradition says that Mark was uh, dictated by Peter, that John Mark was the scribe who wrote down Peter's uh, remembrances of Jesus. So this is really the only first-person account we have of Jesus. Matthew and Luke are based heavily on Mark's gospel and add a few other stories. But Mark is really the one that, that goes back to Peter. And so I said, well, if that's the tradition, then how could we kind of recapture that? And so I, I rewrote the Gospel of Mark uh, as a paraphrase or an interpretation. It's not a, a translation by any means. Uh, some of it uses a little bit more modern language. Um, but as if Peter was telling the story to us. To, so you try to hear it as if you're sitting at the knee of Peter and he's telling you the story about the life that he had with Jesus. And what Jesus did. So when the gospel would say, well, Jesus said to Peter, this one would say, Jesus said to me. So it changes it into the first person. 
so I wrote that, and and last year I did it as a um, forty-seven uh, episodes on a YouTube video that I sent out uh, so people could hear the entire Gospel of Mark as a Lenten devotion every every day. So having redone that, and with the idea of what to do with Lent, I decided to go back and look specifically at the verses that pertain to Holy Week, and look at what. Peter and Jesus are doing during those days of Holy Week. And that was the uh, the thought behind the Lenten devotion for this year. It does start on Ash Wednesday. And I start rather than at Holy Week, I, I start at the baptism, which is where Peter starts his gospel in chapter one, because that's a little bit different. And then we jump from uh, chapter one to chapter 11, when uh, Jesus and Peter are going into Jerusalem. So it's a, a way of encountering Jesus a little bit differently uh, through a paraphrase, but through Peter firsthand telling us the story. So the uh, the seven-part series for Lent, um, uh, the second one is on Palm Sunday, and then it goes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, each, each day of the week as we work our way towards Easter. Okay, so you're saying so every week we'll get a day closer to Easter, starting from Palm Sunday and then working our way towards Easter. Is that right? Right. Excellent. Um, so I've got a couple of questions about this week's, uh, especially the first episode here. Um, you know, I found it very interesting and something I had never thought about. You say here in question number three, uh, the, the five questions for contemplation towards the end of the study, um, or not question three, uh, four, question four, you say that we have this misconception, Peter walked away from fishing to follow Jesus. I've always felt like that. I've, I've always interpreted that from the text that he says to leave everything and follow him. Um, but you say that they didn't walk away, that they they came back and they still were fishermen. So um, how did you come to that conclusion? And um, what are some thoughts on that? Well, actually, everybody assumes what you assume. I mean, what what I was taught in seminary, you know, that the, the Peter just walked away and these 12 disciples spent their whole next three years just doing um, this ministry, walking around and healing people and being with Jesus. And I thought, did they really? Because there's not a lot of evidence to say that. The assumption is, because John gives us a, a timeline that's about three years long, that this was a three-year process. There's nothing in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that tells us it's three years. We just get that out of John, which is curious because the three synoptics are, are older. Um, but if you really read the Gospels, how much time do they spend on that silly boat? I mean, I mean, if he walked away from his boat, why does he keep going back to it? Why does Jesus keep saying, well, let's go to the other side. Let's come back here. The, you know, the whole... There's a quite a series of events that happen on Peter's boat. Jesus preaches from the boat. Um, so there's there's every evidence that Peter was still well connected to his boat. Plus the fact that they kept eating and, and sleeping and <laughs> you know, where do they derive income if if he's also not doing what he normally does, doing some amount of fishing and and uh, I think all of them probably were continue to do a little bit of what they were doing, but then they would take these trips and they would go out with Jesus in different places. Uh, so I, you know, when I was, especially just looking at Peter, how much time he still spent in Capernaum uh, fishing, I said, well, you know, I don't think he left. I think this was, 
he followed Jesus and he did these things with Jesus, but I think he probably went back to his boat a lot because there, there they are the next day. They're on the boat. They're going someplace. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, uh, any other last thoughts before we jump into your devotional this week? No, I just, I hope you enjoy it. It, uh, it has different aspects. You know, I, I start with the text and then I kind of talk about the text a little bit from my standpoint. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not, don't have a degree in, in New Testament or anything fancy. Uh, but I did study these texts for a number of years as a pastor for 43 years. So my take on, on uh, these, these texts. And then I generally tell a little story or spend a little time examining an issue uh, at the, in the later part and then uh, ask some questions for people to compl- contemplate and, and I end it with a prayer. So you'll notice when you get to Tuesday, Tuesday's really long because uh, in all of the scriptures, Tuesday is long. That's the major encounter Jesus has at the temple. And so the first part is a reading of all of those uh, scriptures where Jesus encounters the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they kind of take turns coming at him. Um, And then Wednesday, actually, most biblical scholars think nothing is recorded on Wednesday. Nothing really happened on Wednesday. And so we have this missing day. Uh, But I decided to take the anointing at Bethany, where the woman comes in, with the oil, because that's really not placed on any day. It kind of free floats out there. And I said, well, that let's put that on Wednesday. So we picked that one on Wednesday, though biblical scholars don't agree that that's a Wednesday thing. And then, of course, you get into Thursday, Friday, and, and uh, Saturday and Sunday, which are pretty well known. Uh, I know for all of our uh, listeners out there at Crossfire Faith and Gaming, uh, this is a little bit of a, a divergence from our normal uh, you know, news and discussion, but we figured we'd do something different during the season of Lent. And so I hope you enjoy this. And I will go ahead and cue up the audio now from a talk with Peter for this first week of Ash Wednesday uh, that's leading us into the first week of Lent. Walk with Jesus, class one, Mark one. 1 through 20, the baptism. Let me tell you about my friend Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is how it all began. You remember that the prophet Isaiah says, Look here, I am sending out a messenger to go before you. He will prepare the way for you. He will be like a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Clear a path for him into your hearts. He was talking about John the Baptist, who came just like Isaiah said, preaching in the wilderness and telling people to turn away from sin and toward God. People came from all over Judea. Even the city people in Jerusalem came, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. He was a wild-looking man, wearing a camel hair outfit with a leather belt around his waist. He lived on wild locusts and honey. John was preparing the way for Jesus. He said, I am just the warm-up act. He who is following me, he is the real thing, the word of God. Compared to him, I am nothing, not even fit to polish his sandals. And whereas I baptize you with this dirty water, he will baptize you with power, the very cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit. So it was that Jesus came, just like John said, 
Jesus was from Nazareth in Galilee. He surprised John because he came to be baptized by John in the Jordan. But the real surprise was not when he went into the water. It was when he came out of the water. He saw the very heart of heaven open up, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And the dove came down. A voice said, You are my son. I love you. Just seeing you pleases me. Now, just as soon as all this happened, Jesus left and went into the wilderness for 40 days, where he was tempted by all the evil in the world. The animals of the wilderness surrounded him, and the angels of God protected him. After John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, announcing that God was going to do a great thing. He said, The kingdom of God is close, indeed, at hand. Stop messing around with other things. This is the good news you've been waiting for. Believe it. He was walking near the shore of Galilee when he saw me and my brother Andrew. We were casting our nets into the sea. Jesus walked up to us and said, You gather in fish for yourselves. Come and follow me, and I will teach you to gather in men and women for God. We didn't know what to make of that, but we left our nets and followed him. A little further on, he saw Zebedee's sons, James and John. They were mending their nets. He called them too, and they left old Zebedee and followed along with us. The end of the scripture. The first question, where to begin? A journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step ancient Chinese proverb by Lao Tzu. The question must have occurred to Peter as he dictated to Mark. Where do I begin? I imagine Mark begging Peter to tell him everything he could remember about Jesus. The request was both personal and institutional. Mark never met Jesus, and Peter was the man Jesus once called his rock. Partly as a joke, but also as a recognition truth among men that we call disciples today. So, Peter is as close as Mark will ever get to meeting and knowing the person they now serve as missionaries in Rome. But Mark also knows two disturbing things that deeply concern them both. Jesus' original twelve are dying, and their stories, their personal knowledge, their love, and their first-hand recollections are dying with him. Peter is under a sentence of death and will take his stories with him if they cannot be recorded and saved. So it is with personal longing and institutional urgency that Mark encourages the old man to speak. We don't know if the text is Mark's rearrangement of the story or if Peter began here. In my imagination, I think Peter started telling his story here. He thinks of all the places they went together, he remembers all the conversations, the stories Jesus told, the arguments they had. But as he remembers, he goes back to a time before he knew Jesus, when he had journeyed to the Jordan to hear the words of this crazy man prophet that people called John the Baptist. It was a great show, people confessing their sins and being dunked in the water. But the words that struck him were not of his need for repentance, or John's hot damnation of the world. What Peter remembers is his promise 
that the Messiah is coming, a great and powerful Messiah that everyone had been waiting for was near at hand. So powerful was his coming to the Jordan that it surprised John. So powerful was his coming that the heavens opened up to bless him. So powerful was his baptism that it drove Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and temptation. Jesus walked into the spotlight and Peter saw his glory for a fantastic moment. And then he walked off stage into the darkness and got lost for 40 days. Peter watched. Peter heard. Peter was excited and hopeful. Then nothing happened. Jesus simply walked away by himself. Peter went back to Galilee and quietly fished for 40 days. Did he remember the feelings of that day? Did they burn within his soul? Or did the feelings smolder to pour cold embers over the 40 days? Imagine Peter's surprise when Jesus shows up in Galilee, just walking down the beach. He looks at Peter and asks if he can stand in his boat while he talks to the people on the shore. Soon they gather around to listen, and Jesus begins with those words. The kingdom of God is close indeed at hand. He preaches, and they listen. And Jesus blows on those embers until they burn in Peter like the day of baptism. This is the good news Peter has been waiting for all his life. So when Jesus looks back at Peter and says, Come and follow me, and I will teach you. Well, Peter is ready. He is chosen. What a gift. What a moment. Thus, Peter's journey began, and Jesus' ministry began. Fellow travelers on a journey of three years of joy and frustration, enlightenment and exhaustion, weariness and wondering, appreciation and argument, promise and denial, and also death and resurrection. For them, it began with one step when Jesus walked out into the Jordan River. Where to begin? As with Jesus and Peter, we too begin our journey with Jesus on Ash Wednesday. I've chosen to begin not with ashes on foreheads, but with a word of remembrance that we are baptized in Christ. At the time Peter was recalling these events for Mark to write down, there are no church traditions except Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection. Even that was not by choice. The earliest Christian celebrations of Jesus were on the Sabbath, Saturday, in the temple with other Jews. But the anti-Christian sentiments of the Jews quickly caused such commotion on Sabbath that Jesus' followers were forced out of the temple for their celebrations. So they moved over to Sunday and claimed a new rationale. This is the day of resurrection. But resurrection was inextricably tied to crucifixion. Both John the Baptist and Jesus, in their very early appearances in all the Gospels, proclaim, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Repentance for our sins was tied to our dying with Christ. And the good news of Jesus was fulfilled in his resurrection. As the church grew in influence, it began to establish new traditions. Seasons, as we know them today, weren't created until hundreds of years later. The 40 years in the wilderness as Moses redeemed the Hebrews prior to their deliverance into the promised land became 40 days after the resurrection when the Holy Spirit filled the followers at Pentecost, 50 days after Passover ended. 
Then gradually, this holy period extended to time before resurrection. The annual pre-resurrection celebration lengthened to a week, then two, then four, and for some branches, eight weeks of penitence prior to resurrection. The annual pre-resurrection celebration finally settling on 40 days, not counting Sundays. So counting back to 46 days before Easter, we find ourselves beginning on a Wednesday. In the 11th century, the tradition of Ash Wednesday filled this post. For the Roman Catholic Church, the issue really wasn't holiness. It was income. Based on a religious reality that people will sin, if we can make them feel guilty enough about their sin, we can extract more money from them in atonement for their sins. Ash Wednesday and Lent became a major method of increasing income. Reclaiming the ancient act of placing ashes on your head from the book of Daniel to show how sorry you are for your sins. The church began placing ashes on foreheads to show as a public display that your period of penitence and contrition had begun. Today, many churches embrace the act of placing ashes on the foreheads on Ash Wednesday. Many Christians are led to believe that we've always done it this way, but that is not true. Protestant churches in America did not begin to embrace the institution of ashes until the 1970s, and it wasn't broadly adopted until the late 1990s. The primary theme of Lent is based on Jesus' 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, so it is curious that the Revised Common Lectionary makes no mention of that during Lent. For me, Lent begins at the Jordan. Our period of Lenten reflection on our own Christian journey following Jesus must begin by following Jesus. Jesus doesn't come to the Jordan to be baptized and forgiven for his sins. Jesus doesn't come to the Jordan because it's a great show. Jesus comes to the Jordan to find meaning for his life. What is it I'm supposed to do, Lord? We assume Jesus got that answer during those 40 days in the wilderness, a time of contemplation and getting away from the distractions of daily living. We assume that because when he came back from the wilderness, he seemed to be implementing a plan. Preach the good news, call the disciples, heal the brokenness, and move toward Jerusalem. But what Jesus found at the Jordan was even better than a mission for living. Jesus found love. Jesus came up from the water and heard the voice of God say, I love you. It was powerful. It was life-changing. If you've ever fallen in love with someone, you will remember the first time you heard those words come from the voice of your beloved. You can begin to know how Jesus felt. You become a new person instantly because you are loved by someone who is wonderful. This, then, is where we begin. Close your eyes and feel the hands of God, wet with the water of salvation, moist with the passion of the Holy Spirit. Gently enwrap your head with blessing and hear the voice of God proclaim, You are my beloved child. Just seeing you makes me happy. I love you. Now, bask in that for a moment. Can you feel the power of God's love flowing over you? Now, we are ready to begin. Five questions for contemplation. 
Number one. Peter feels a sense of awe and power from the baptism of Jesus. Then nothing happens for 40 days. He had an inclination, a nudge, that something was about to happen. When was it that you first had a sense that you wanted to give your life to Christ? What happened after that? Number two. Most versions of the Bible have the baptism blessing saying, You are my son, the beloved, my favor rests on you. But my paraphrase says, You are my son, I love you. Just seeing you pleases me. Is there someone in your life who, when you see them, you feel a rush of joy that just pleases you? Who is that? Three. Jesus' first utterance after the wilderness was a proclamation and then a commandment. The kingdom of God is close indeed at hand. And then he says, stop messing around with other things. This is the good news you've been waiting for. Believe it. What is Jesus asking you to stop messing around with? Four. We have this misconception that Peter simply walked away from fishing and followed Jesus. But the text never says that. In fact, the disciples returned to those boats often, traveling all around the lake, preaching, sailing into storms, etc., So it seems Peter is still a fisherman while also being a disciple. So how do you keep on being you while also being a disciple? What does that mean for you? Five. Baptism had gone from John's spontaneous baptizing people in the Jordan to a full-blown sacramental ritual with rules and regulations specific magic words that must be said, paperwork that must be filed on earth and in heaven. But I often think it's just kind of like the prodigal son returning home and the father running to greet him. The son says, Father, I'm so terribly sorry. But the father says, It's okay. Are you hungry? Great, let's go eat. You are always welcome at this banquet. So come and eat. What is baptism for you? A prayer for Ash Wednesday. Most loving God, I wonder at times what you want me to do. I want to walk out into the Jordan and feel your love wash over me. Forgive me for yesterday and embrace me as your child today. I want to see Jesus turn his face to me, look me in the eye and say, Come and follow me, and I will teach you. Then I want to follow Jesus down the beach and out into my world today. May Jesus walk through Holy Week, become real to me in this day, this season, and the rest of my life. Amen.